Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography Podcast. Today, my guest is Laura Shofroth. She is the owner and founder of The Miracle You, an herbalist, a health and life coach, a motivational speaker, and an author. Welcome, Laura. It is an honor and a pleasure to have you here. How are you doing today? Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here as well, and I'm doing fantastic. Excellent. I love to hear that. Thank you so much for taking and making the time to be here with me today. So with that being said, all these hats that you wear, let's jump right in. That is quite an extensive resume you have there. How do you find the time for all of this and how do you prioritize and how important is prioritization and organization to you? It's everything, especially as my business has grown so much over the last few years. And we'll probably talk about this somewhere down the road, but prioritizing myself is the key because if I don't Don't take care of myself first and really just do the concentration and focus there, then I'm going to find myself wobbly with my company too. Yeah, absolutely. And so with you wearing so many hats, what does your morning routine look like? My morning routine is long, (laughs) so it's not (laughs) your typical... Oh, let me get ready for work. And I have had the great blessing of being able to create my own schedule. But what's cool is I teach what I do. I teach it to others. So it's not fair to us to get up and brush our teeth and run off to work without spending time on ourselves. So my morning routine, I learned early on, is probably several hours minimum. (laughs) So it's meditation. It's my green juice. It's I walk every day. I do my spiritual stuff. And then I focus on my day, my intention, what's happening today and this week too. So that it's so long, what time do you get up in the morning then? <laughs> right? I know. Any, probably 5.30 is my hour. Okay. And if I okay. don't get up at 5.30, then I don't have time to take care of me. So <laughs> it's uh... <laughs> And so what drives, motivates, and inspires you to keep going and excelling at all that you do, Laura? passion for people. That was instilled at me. I'm sure I was born with that. I'm positive. (laughs) And uh, people are my passion that every day I wake up and say, gosh, somebody needs me. Somebody doesn't know this. Somebody needs to understand this today. So I use all the media outlets I can in my world to bring something new to the table every day that somebody maybe hasn't heard. As a holistic health coach and herbalist, how do you define holistic health? It's going back to natural. It's going back to the way that we're designed. So 
a lot of people don't realize simple things. Now it's coming out more and more as we know, but sunlight, earthing, all of these things that have been sort of tucked away for generations, several generations are coming back into the light because we realize these are the things that heal. On the other side of that, holistic is also the whole body, the body, mind, and spirit. So we don't just address nutritional deficiencies. We've got to look at the mind and what's going on there. And we've got to look at the spiritual side of things. Even if people think they're not spiritual, there's still a spiritual component to all of us. Absolutely. The whole earthing thing, that's fairly new to me. I didn't know a lot about it. And I would say within the last year, I've learned about it and I've watched a couple documentaries and it is pretty fucking incredible. Isn't it's it so awesome? powerful? Yeah, it is very powerful. Like you can get earthing blankets and all. It's crazy. I know. Oh, and I know I have clients that have those and it's as easy as going out bare. I make my clients do that. I'm like, go outside. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in the winter, it's a little more difficult, but... It is. It is. But the case studies for brain health, it's irrefutable. Yeah, it's so powerful. As mentioned off the top, you're the owner and founder of The Miracle You. Can you share with us what The Miracle You is all about? Sure. It's The Miracle of You. And I will probably talk later about this, but it's something that was born out of my own illness and my own path to healing. And that healing brought me into educating myself on food as medicine, herbalism, and later quantum physics and all of these things. But so my program was designed and created out of my education, not just with my self-healing, but tons of other of the people that I have followed and learned from for decades. So holistic physicians, holistic mentors, those in the nutrition industry that don't really subscribe totally 100% to the Western philosophy of medicine, which is now worldwide, of course. So those were my mentors that I learned from. And my programs are designed sort of seeding out and weeding out and taking the best of the best so that in my five-week program, it's bam, you're getting the <laughs> essence of, okay, this is what you need to do. Yeah, we're honing it down. And these are the things that we need to get you to do. Yeah. I want to jump in and speak about your coaching journey, Laura. I've heard a lot of people say that most, if not all coaches have been through their own personal struggles and journeys before making the leap into coaching. And of course, we've all had our shit to deal with. We're human beings. We all go through our things. But what I have found through the conversations I've had with a lot of women who are now coaches, that journey or that struggle in particular was the catalyst for them jumping into the coaching world. Can you share a little bit about your own personal journey and struggles you were on before making the leap into coaching? Absolutely. And it is the catalyst for so many of us because we find our healing and we have to share it with others once we find out. Yes, this was 25 years ago. I was 33 and caring for my terminally ill father. My husband was on a 10-year journey of his own with Lyme disease and all the co-infections of Lyme disease. And so, but he was undiagnosed. And so for 10 years, I went through the Western medical system with him. And it was an interesting journey there. And then I was homeschooling my two smallest at the time. And life was overwhelming. And all of a sudden, my body started shutting down. My thyroid went out. My gallbladder was 100% non-functioning. My digestive system, I was depressed. I was anxiety. And then 
when I was eventually diagnosed with an incurable disease. And so the doctors said, it's not terminal, but you're going to have it the rest of your life. And it's probably already spread to your spine. It's going to go to your lungs and your brain and all of this. And so I know. So they, I said, okay, there's no cure. What do I do? They're like, well, we're going to do radical surgery. We're going to take everything out of you. Yeah. They wanted my gallbladder, my thyroid and all my reproductive organs. And I was like, wow. Basically, I'm an empty box. Okay, no. Yeah. Oh, it, it, <laughs> you know, so it didn't resonate with me. And I asked them if they could leave one ovary, and they said no. And that was like, I'm too young to take both my ovaries. And so I took a step back, and the rebel in me said, "Go find a cure. You can do this. <laughs> you can do this." And so I hit Google, which was totally different back then. And I looked. I didn't find much until I eventually found a lady. I forget her name. Unfortunately, I'd give her credit. And she wrote a book and a cookbook. And she said she had healed herself from endometriosis, which I had. And so I read the book. And two days later, I hired a nutritionist. And I'm like, fix me. (laughs) So that was the start of my journey. And I took 10 years of healing myself. Now, it's important to note that it didn't take 10 years to heal. As a matter of fact, when I changed my diet, I was walking with a cane at the time from the diagnostic surgery. They cut me inside. It was just an awful, painful mess. So at the time, I was walking with a cane. But within less than two weeks of changing my diet, I was pain-free. Holy shit. So then I'm like, okay, I'm my guinea pig. Here yeah. we go. I'm ready. Let's find out what this is and why yeah. it's, why it's so beautiful. And so it, 10 years of more knowledge, I became a researcher. I became a certified herbalist with master's classes dug in there as well. And yeah. then I became much later a certified life coach. And I was a holistic practitioner first but I really wanted to get all these other things in because it's all wrapped together. It's all yeah. wrapped nature yeah. and our mind. We got to pull those in too. And so how have these experiences helped shape the Laura you are today, both personally and professionally, do you think? Absolutely. I'm a different person than I was before I got sick. I was mom. I was wife. I was daughter. I was like, pay the mortgages. The typical American dream. Getting sick and going on this journey has opened a whole new world to our healing powers, who we really are, the spiritual beings that we are. Yes, night and day. (laughs) (laughs) And we all have the ability, we all have those powers within us to heal ourselves. Yes. But Western medicine will not show you that. (laughs) They will not. (laughs) You want to keep you sick. They want to keep us sick is what they want. They do. Well, it's a very well-designed system. And listen, we don't have to be conspiracy theorists. This information's out there now. It's coming out. And thankfully, a lot of the younger generation are seeing what we didn't see. But yes, it's a very well-designed system of processed foods that make us sick. They cause the illness and then they create the cure, which is not the cure. No, it's, it's more, I think, reactive than proactive. And that's what we need to be proactive, not reactive. And it's band-aids over bullet holes. They don't get to the root. They address the symptom, but they don't get to the root cause of it. What was the biggest or most valuable takeaway or lesson for you from these experiences, would you say? That I'm a healer. Yeah, Plain there was simple. a new Laura that was born, like <laughs> the person that was born. I Let me put it this way. I never saw that coming. I was watching SpongeBob SquarePants with my kids. And then six months later, I'm like, what? The body has a frequency? The body heals with a higher frequency? What? <laughs> 
What is it that sets you and the work you do apart from other coaches? Why would they choose to work with you over someone else? Yeah, I love that question. I really do feel that I'm very different than most people and my clients do tell me that all the time. It's important to note I was not educated by standard accreditation schools. I really went the radical holistic route. And along with that, I have a very strong intuitive gift. So I'm able to tap into clients and tap into people's energy and feel them very strongly and feel where they are are. So it's not that I'm against Western educational systems, but I think I'm very different because I was given this information probably from a past life, honestly. I was born with a lot of this knowing. And then I pull in the actual healing modalities that, as I said before, they don't just address nutrition as a health coach. We don't just address the mind as a therapist or a counselor. So I work with the whole self. And then I teach meditation, yoga, frequency, energy, the law of attraction or quantum physics, however you want to compartmentalize that. And I bring it into the whole person. What are three of the most important lessons you've learned so far in your career as a coach? To be a good listener is number one. It's easy for entrepreneurs for us to get ahead of our game and think we know. But so many times I'm just surprised by if I just truly listen, how much I continue to learn. And that would be the second thing that I still always have lots to learn. I have not arrived. And the third thing is, I think I have learned one of the biggest things is to stay true to my passion, to not be swayed by the sparklies off of my path, which is easy for us. Oh, there's new technology. There's a new, oh, let me go do this. Squirrel, squirrel. And it's funny if I, and I do, I'm like, oh, I'm so interested. What is this thing? But when I stay true to my path, that's when the doors stay open for me in myself. You've mentioned mind, body, soul. Many people struggle with understanding the mind-body connection in particular and the impact of emotional well-being on physical health. Could you share some insights on this connection and how it influences our overall well-being? Sure, absolutely. So we, a lot of times, even when I was growing up, we have this sort of thought that our mind is from here up and all the thinking is done somehow up here and we're never taught that the mind is actually in our body. But the only communication that our body can give to us is uncomfortableness or pain. So our body also has a communication outside of our mind. So if there's chronic pain, which is my world, that's what I help people with, then we have to understand that there's an emotional connection. If our knees are in pain, okay, well, what is the emotion linked to that? Or if we have gut dysbiosis, what is the emotion tied to that? If we have lung issues, chances are we're handling some kind of grief that didn't get taken care of with the liver, we have liver issues. Well, the liver, we need to look at the emotions tied with that, which is anger. And so we need to address the healing of the emotions in order to be fully healed. So many people don't realize that dis-ease in our bodies or the pains, or that is all tied to emotion and stress and all of these things cause that in our bodies. And so many people don't realize it. Well, they don't realize it. And so it's really the rejection of those emotions is what it is. It's, you know, what we resist persists. And so we're like, don't feel it. It hurts. It's (laughs) inside. I don't want to feel that pain. Bury it. Bury it. Yeah. And so it's our resistance to the emotions that 
is why it gets stuck. And the other thing is, you asked me earlier a little bit about my program. It's a program of self-love. I mean, yes. that's if I had to narrow it down to one thing. What is your program? It is a program of self-love. You know what? You're having feelings of shame. Welcome it in. Bring all yeah. of that shame in and allow it. Then when we allow it with love and acceptance and even gratitude for, hey, body, I know you want me to pay attention to this. Yeah. Yeah. I spoke with a woman. I did an interview with a woman who works with people who are dealing with grief and she had a brilliant, beautiful analogy. We were talking about grief and joy and how they're opposite. She said, but grief and joy, in her opinion, are soulmates. You need to invite grief to the party. Yeah. And I thought that was just brilliant. Yeah. A hundred percent. And self-love is the key. That is the foundation for Everything starts from within us and with that love of self. If you don't love yourself, forget it. That's where it has to start. And people really don't understand what self-love is. If I say self-love, they're like, yeah, I love myself. Mm -hmm. I'm having a good hair day, whatever. <laughs> but man, to sit in guilt or sit in your anger and learn how to adore yourself. I was going through a spiritual awakening and it was massive and it pulled all my trauma forward. And I was like, somebody's got to help me. I can't do this myself. Drowning. Yeah. So this gentleman came into my life for just a second, just long enough to do a podcast with me. And he helped me. He's He was teaching me how to breathe through it and sit with those emotions that I'd been running from. But then he taught me something that nobody ever taught me. And he's rub your arm, touch your skin, touch yourself as if you love yourself. You're creating endorphins. You're creating all the love hormones and all of this. And I was like, whoa, I never have adored myself like that. And like tell that. yourself you love yourself. Do that yeah. mirror work as well. It's important yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Being so able to sit with yourself. So many people can't handle being alone. And I think that's so sad. I do too. Now I'm one of the ones that I'm, I love to be alone. Me Leave me too. alone. <laughs> me too. I love, I love that it. alone that's, time. That's yeah. my work. That's my yeah. job. my happiness. <laughs> and there's some days it's, oh, I've got a speaking engagement at one. Oh, darn. What, how much can I stuff in for me? <laughs> Not that I don't love, but yeah. yeah. It's selfish about my time. I'm selfish. And that's okay. See, this is the other thing is that we've been conditioned to believe that self-love and putting ourselves first is selfish. And it's not. It's the exact opposite. To the extent that a lot of my clients are caregivers and I met two different retirement communities. So working with nurses and those in the medical field. And so many come to me because they're burnt out and sick and they have so much going on in their body because as a lot of moms do with raising families and dads going to work the grind, put ourselves last. We do. And, we and I think that's life. something that's very common amongst women more so than men, for sure. Yeah. Having gone through and dealt with your own health struggles, as we spoke about, and pain, and we know that in our modern healthcare system, there's often a reliance on medication and quick fixes. How do you advocate for a more holistic approach to health and well-being? And what benefits have you seen in your clients through this approach? Oh, the benefits are just absolutely amazing. So there's a place for conventional care. It's typically the place for that is an emergency care. For that, 
doctors are great. But where holistic care needs to come in is with the fundamental basics. And this is this, an analogy I give a lot of people is if like Bear Gryllis has that survival show, but if you were dropped out of a helicopter into the woods and had to survive for 30 days, what are your primary concern if food water, shelter. All of a sudden, you care about your well-being. You care about what you're eating and where you're going to survive. And so bringing this sort of attitude into the holistic kind of view out looking out that way yes we put you first yes we bring you back to the natural way that we were created to survive for sure i don't think we can have this conversation without speaking about the medical and healthcare system and judging by your story i'm pretty sure that you and i are both of the same mindset when it comes to the healthcare and medical system you're in the u.s i'm up here in canada but i think we both agree that the systems are severely broken in both countries I'm going to say that these failed or broken medical systems are in part what is leading to the burnout, I think, among the staff who are supporting, who are working in those systems, the nurses, the doctors. Would you agree with that? And in your opinion, I'd love to hear, first of all, why do you think the healthcare system is so broken? Yeah, I would agree with you on the burnout. There's just, in the world of chronic pain, chronic illnesses that just have been around since the rise of the 60s and processed food, and the medications aren't fixing it, yes, there's going to be a level of burnout. So when I started on my quest I was 33 years old and my eyes were opened in so many different ways. It was unbelievable. So first of all, my husband at the time took the medical route. And after a 10-year tenure in the medical system, he was addicted to every opioid ever created. So he went that route. So I saw it. I lived it for 10 years and I took the opposite, the holistic route. I was healed in less than two weeks. I was out of pain where he was on methadone and oxycodone, all these things, and then became addicted and had to go to three rehab. We lost everything. We lost absolutely everything. So when I was starting my quest, I read the Flexner Report, and I'm sure you're familiar with the Flexner Report, but that's where they sort of redesigned medical universities at that time. This was in the early 1920s. And so these were some key players of money and the oil industry. And so they realized they could make medications out of petroleum. And so the oil industry was a big factor in this. And so the powers that be changed up the medical system and very quickly ousted people like me and medical physicians that were natural and holistic and all we had before that and called them quacks. And then created this sort of slow, very, what do, you, what do I want to say this? I didn't want to say brainwashing, but that's the word coming to mind, to where people started trusting the medications more than they trusted themselves and what every other country, every indigenous tribe has been doing for years. Somebody told me a story. I was speaking at an event, I guess it was about a month ago, and a gentleman came up to me. He said, I love what you said. He said, I was in Africa and there was a lady with me and she was suffering with a severe rash. They don't know where, maybe the food or the water, but all over her, she was inflamed. And he said, there was a gentleman from a tribe where they were, and he's, give me one minute. And he runs away and he comes back five minutes later with this plant and totally heals the woman of this, spreads it all over her. And she still can still, the next days, 
you know, still continue to go and do all the things everybody else was. Now in America, they'd be like, okay, we're going to give you a steroid cream. We're going to do this. And the problem is there's a side effect. Yeah, there's all these side effects for the medication. And you, you hear, I've seen commercials for medicines and the side effects, like possible death, like crazy I, shit. Like, what the hell? I know. Wait, no, that's okay. No, I'm not going to die at the hands of a medicine. What? But see, they don't know. And I have empathy for people. Like, I can't be mad at them because I was that when I was in my early 20s. Go to the doctor. You have a blister. Go to the doctor. You've got a cold. I might have to go to the doctor and get antibiotics. That's what you do. We've been conditioned to believe that the doctors are the be-all and end-all. They have all the answers, but they don't. And we put so much trust and faith in these people. We put our lives basically are in their hands, really, when you think about it. The sad part is that the medications are causing so many diseases. Exactly. And the only one I'm going to really bring up as a very neutral topic would be giving babies antibiotics because the baby's got some kind of viral infection or whatever. And instead of let's have a wet fever. Let's bring the fever up with some lots of fluids, what I call wet fever. We're going to put them on antibiotics, which already starts the gut dysbiosis. And that's it, it, huge. Yeah, it's crazy. No, let's just write a script. Here you go. You're good. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's exactly. the answer. And you wouldn't believe the client's stories that I'm sure you would. You would believe it. Yes, it's, I would. <laughs> it's mind blowing. And so when they meet me, they're like, oh my gosh. And they start seeing the benefits of doing, eating natural, eating right. Because I teach ancestral eating. I don't teach any diets at all. None. We just I eat was the food. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. Finish what you're saying. Finish your um, thought. I was just going to say, eat all the foods that are just natural. I was recently at the doctor for a checkup. I hadn't been in quite a while, actually, quite a few years because I thought, I feel fine. I don't need to go. Why would I go to the doctor? And my doctor was giving me shit because I haven't been in. Wow. He's like, oh, let me guess. You're one of these people that I feel fine. Why would I come to the doctor? Well, yeah. Why would I come in if I'm feeling good? Why would I? And so we're talking and it got to the point where Okay, we're finishing up. He wanted to take my blood pressure, took his, took my blood pressure. Yep, it's normal. Yeah, thanks. I feel good. I'm okay. Yeah. But then he started trying to push vaccinations on me. He yeah. wanted me to get the shingles yeah. vaccine. He wanted me to get this vaccine. He's giving me the pamphlets. He's telling me, okay, the shots cost this much and these shots cost this much and here's some pamphlets. And I walked out of there, threw them in the garbage. I'm like, no, thanks. I'm good. I'm fine. I don't need the vaccinations. Thank you. But it's this yeah. constant pushing. It's like the medical community. And again, yes, we need Western medicine. Absolutely. But it's almost like they're legal drug pushers is what they are. They are. And some don't know it, but some do know it. And again, when I started my journey, one of the greatest, the saddest things that I saw was, and this is actually later in my journey, is understanding that doctors get paid when there's a full vaccine schedule finished and completed. Right. So my heart is so much for people to educate, empower them, help them see, no matter where they are in their health, that this is not the way. It is not no. the way that is, we are human beings and people lose sight of the fact that we're spiritual beings. They think we're, that we're helpless. I think that if we can get to a point where Eastern medicine or other medicine practices can work in conjunction with Western medicine, because as you said, we need Western medicine for some things. There's no way around it. You do. But if we can get to a point where the Eastern can come together with the Western and work together, 
then there you go. It's a much better model, right? And yes. you get a, the best of both worlds. But yeah. I mean, and there are doctors I know that, that are of the Western medicine mindset that are starting to adopt and work with the other side of things, the more holistic side of things. And that's great. But I think there's far more resistance from those doctors to adopt that because as they say, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Some of them are just, no, I don't believe in it. I don't buy it. And we got to get to a point where this is brought together so that people have, we have a choice. We yeah. all have a choice and we should be able to make that choice. And there are some movements that are happening yeah. in the U.S. that they're bringing it to the forward front. They're working on it. They're working with Congress. Doctors, some of them are working under the fear of shame. Well, if you do this or you suggest that, or if you don't do that, you're going to lose your license. So yeah. as long as we have three letter organizations over our health system, we're pretty much fucked. So people have to become, literally people have to become their own doctor. advocates. That's what I tell you have to become your own doctor. Learn this is not difficult yeah. at all. Stay out of the world of processed foods and the foods that harm you and these sort of things. But I mean, it's very insidious because yeah. they're causing addictions by using chemicals to break the blood brain barrier. I know you know this. So that's why people like me exist to help people understand. It's not your fault if you're addicted, but let's get you empowered. So you don't have to go to the doctor's office. Oh, you have a cold. Oh, your body's cleaning itself. Okay, well, allow that, right? So how then do we find a way forward out of this severely damaged or broken system and begin to find a solution for people? Well, I do believe there's a lot of movement in the U.S., hopefully Canada. I'm not sure where you are, but here there's a lot of people advocating for more natural solutions. I'm seeing a lot of these young people on Instagram, their eyes are open, they're seeing it. So yeah. I'm hoping that if not one by one, us all doing our job to spread the information, then helping, well, continuing to educate ourselves, but helping those grassroots movements that are out there trying to not redo the conventional medical system, but just allow more, as you said, Eastern alternatives to come in, allow more holistic alternatives to come in. Nobody should just be, just take the antibiotics. No, you should have alternatives. You are the consumer. You're the patient. And you vote with your choice, you right? Yep, that's exactly it. Do you see the future of healthcare evolving to incorporate that more so? Yeah, okay. it, it, from my viewpoint, but here's, this one has to collapse first. This may be years <laughs> down the road. I don't, I don't know what the timeline is. I do feel it's coming, but this has to collapse first. It needs to be burned to the fucking ground. Yes. Just like a lot of other systems that are in place right now. I think so many of them need to just be burned to the ground, torched, and we need to start from scratch again. When I think about, if I don't allow myself to swim in this pool, but when I think about the deaths and the damage they've done to children, that's where I lose my mind. Parents are walking around none the wiser with the vaccines, and I'm like... That yep. could be prevented. Yes. So that's why I do what I do. This is why, because even with autism and ADD, ADHD, there's things, none of it is hopeless. If I would have had both of my ovaries taken out and my thyroid taken out, it's not hopeless. The body will 
adjust yeah. to missing organs or to brain damage. It's yeah. just, we have to be 100% committed. For sure. As a holistic health coach and herbalist, what challenges have you faced in gaining wider acceptance and recognition for these alternative approaches in the healthcare industry? I don't have a whole lot of challenges. I would say most of it, I think, would be rooted in the fact that people are afraid to let go of the conventional medical system and trust themselves. I think that's the biggest challenge that I instill in people is you can learn intuitively what your body wants. We could do muscle testing. We could do meditation and really delve into you. But I think that's the biggest challenge is people finding out that they are their healer. And, and how like, scary is that, right? Because that just collapses everything that they've ever known and been taught and learned and all of that trust that they've had in these people who say they have their best interests, that collapses. And then it's like, holy shit, I believe this for all these. So I think that plays into it. I think people know it on one hand, they know, but it's that fear of, holy shit, that's just blowing up everything I've ever known. And that's fucking scary. It's true. But when they do, oh my gosh, the transformations that happen. I've had great success with even stage four cancer because when they figure this out and they understand it, they go all in. They're like, it's a new gift like that they never knew existed. Well, I recently had a conversation with a woman who she was a nurse for the NHS in the UK, a specialty nurse for over 20 years. And she was given the diagnosis that she had stage four cancer. She had four tumors. And so her options were, we can remove some of your organs and send you for radiation and chemo. And she was like, no fucking way. I'm not going that route. I'm sorry. And she had done a lot of traveling to a lot of spiritual places like India, Peru, these places like this. So she had already been reading and practicing that meditation and high vibration and all of these things. And she just said, no, I refuse to accept this. She went home. She started putting herself, as she said, she got into the highest vibration there is, love. And she stayed in high vibration. She did a lot of reading, meditating, all of these practices, she went back five months later. Guess what? Cancer was gone, completely gone. And the doctor could not fucking believe it. Well, and let's break that down. This is exactly how it happens. I'm glad you brought that up. Somebody goes to the doctor, something's wrong. He says, cancer, you're stage four. I give you this much time. What happens? We believe their belief and that starts our negativity our demise. So the opposite would be creating our own belief system with joy, love, high frequency, high vibration. What happens? We heal. So we see the divide of what happens is people are diagnosed and stay sick because the doctor said, which keeps them there unless they learn there's other ways. And my body knows how to do this. Exactly. The power of the mind is fucking incredible. She said she refused to watch news. None of that shit. She just stayed in a complete high vibration. And within five months, it was gone. So that was in 2019. She's been clear for four years now. 
Wow. How incredible is that? I love it. And you know what? I want to tell you that I made a promise to myself in the midst of massive trauma when I was in my 40s, and I didn't know how I was going to survive it. And it went on for three and a half long years where I was victim, depressed. I did a lot during that time, but still, it was really rough. And one day I ceilinged out. Things got so bad that I ceilinged out and I walked down to my deck and I said, that's it. I had already stopped watching TV. I already stopped listening to negative music with a, that caused a low vibration. But then these two promises came out. I said, I will never allow one more toxic person in my life. And the second promise I made to myself changed my life that day. And it was, I will never have a ne- another negative thought in my mind, that would be self-sabotage. Negative thoughts are normal, but I mean, not against me on a long-term basis. And if I did have a negative thought, I would slay it with an imaginary sword. And I learned how to rewire my mind that day. Okay. So now let's talk about that because that takes a lot of work. That takes a lot of mindset, a lot of strength. So it's not just as easy as saying, I'm going to do this and that's it. You have to put in the work and it takes time to get there. But the thing is, is it is completely possible for it all of us to possible. do that. It is possible. And so I go through these steps in my program because you're right. It's a new way of living. And so we have to capture, first you have to be aware that you're yes. thinking. Yeah, absolutely. You have to capture those thoughts. Oh, what yeah. was I just thinking? And then from there, that big step of learning how to be present so you can yes. understand. From there, we can start, okay, wake up with gratitude. There you go. Do your gratitude (laughs) three times a day. Gratitude practice, yes, absolutely. Yeah, so yeah, building on, and a lot of clients don't know that I'm doing that with them from the very first session, but they'll see it later on. Yeah. They're working on the self-sabotage, the self-talk, the negativity. Yeah. This gets right into this. This is beautiful because mindfulness and self-care practices, they've gained a lot of attention in recent years. So how do you integrate those practices then into your sessions and how do they contribute to overall healing and well-being? Are there any specific techniques or recommendations for individuals to incorporate mindfulness and self-care into their daily routines that you have? Absolutely. I call it coming home. I teach my clients that from, as I just said, waking up in the morning with gratefulness and then feeling the emotions in the body. That's one. A second one would be all of the self-care things, but with an emphasis on meditation, because a lot of our own insight and healing and discovering of ourselves comes through via meditation. And it's still foreign to some people. I know I was in the church my whole life. And if you would have said meditate, I would have been like, no, I'm not doing that. (laughs) It's against my religion. And I'm not knocking religion at all, but that's how I thought. And so I didn't. And then once it changed my life, obviously. So I do ask clients to help rewire their mind and start this on this whole process is we start with gratefulness. We do yoga so we can move that energy through the body and get rid of that stuck emotion. We do the meditation. And if there's stuck emotions, we might use tapping. We might do some breath work. I have a whole session on breath work. So helping people understand first that they can do all of this and then giving them easy practices. As I just mentioned, all of those are big. Yeah, they are. They're huge. I found that for me, meditation, movement, getting out and walk. I walk every morning and journaling. Those three are great. And when I don't do those three things, I feel it. 
Because once you get into a practice, it gets easier. It's hard. It's not easy to get into the practice of doing these things on a regular basis. It takes time. It takes dedication. It takes work, just like everything else. But once you do get into it, then it's okay. This is just what I do. It just becomes part of your routine. And it's that much easier. It's that much easier. And then you feel that gratification. This is all self-love. We walk every day in the sunlight. That's self-love. It's not, oh, I've got to go to the gym and do this. No, no it's, I get to. That's exactly, it's that little people. tweak, right? It's, it's just to. that little tweak in language too. That's you right. have to be, again, though, as you said, it comes down to that self-awareness and yeah. realize, oh, wait a minute. I got to shift my language just a tiny bit there. And yeah. that will make such a huge difference, that little shift. It does. It really does. But it's Our a self-awareness. Power, and so they yes. begin to understand that, Our cells are listening to our words because I teach epigenetics in my intro program. They get a big taste of epigenetics right away. Whatever you're saying is your mind is the master and your body is the golden retriever. Your mind throws the stick. The golden retriever body goes to fetch. So it's huge. huge It is. It's massive. I want to speak a little bit about your journey into the world of becoming an author. I'd love for you to share a little bit about your book. Can you tell us the title, subject matter? What was the experience like for you writing and sharing your story and putting it out into the world? Well, I always knew I was going to write a book and I know I'm going to write more. And my first thought was, I'm going to write a book where everybody could read the book and just heal themselves. <laughs> that was <all> my <laughs> life. That's what I wanted to do. So just read my book and you will heal. But then there's so much involved, obviously. I can't put that in one book because it would be that big. <laughs> so I decided to write a book on a very simple storyline that added some testimonies of my clients, but really was my storyline, how I got sick and how I healed, but making it funny and readable. It's only 165 pages. This is a copy of it actually right here, but it talks about forgiveness. It talks about clean eating. It talks about juices and smoothies and how we can use those medicinally to heal our bodies. So I incorporate real life experiences that cause illness and then how we can heal them every day, every single day. Forgiveness is a huge piece of that. My goodness. I think it's one of the biggest, and forgiveness of self and others. When you forgive someone for something that they've done to you or you felt wronged or slighted, or what, that forgiveness isn't for them, it's for you. And that's the important piece to recognize and know that it's not about them, it's about forgiving for you. So you can move past and remove that weight from your shoulders, remove that albatross from yourself and move on and move forward. People live and die in unforgiveness. And I had it in my family and I still have it in my family. And there is a movement out there where I know there's a guy, he's an author and he's got a lot of followers and he's, you don't have to forgive if you don't want to. There are some things that are unforgivable and you don't have to. And I just had to unfriend him. I'm like, he's toxic for our health. We, as you said, you got to do it. There's no you two have ways to. Because that'll stay stuck in your system. And then again, that manifests in dis ease in your yeah. body. And yeah. you're only hurting yourself, really. 
Yeah, I had to forgive the unforgivable. It's in my yeah. book. Like I they, had to forgive the people who have wronged you or whatever they've done. They don't give a. Sh- they're not thinking about it. They right. don't. They've moved on. They don't give exactly. a shit. That's how right? I thought about it. Wait a minute. And so I, the analogy I give people with that is: imagine you have a big bracelet with those steel like bikers wear or whatever, and then there's a big chain this big hanging off of yeah. it back of that is a huge steel ball this big and you're dragging it through like yeah. bent over trying to pull this weary from the dragging it that's unforgiveness now again it's not easy to do it it takes work then this is the theme here right throughout the whole conversation this is yeah. the thread is you have to put in the work it's not easy it's right. not easy at all when i first realize I had to forgive the unforgivable, I would pray and be like, okay, I'm going to forgive them, you know? And <laughs> half hour later, I'm like, I'm still pissed. I'm not, <laughs> this at all. not understanding that it was a continual, really understanding I had to really increase my heart chakra to do it. But it was a continual journey, as you said, the continual yeah. intention of finding love for them and all the people that have ever harmed me in my life, including people that took my children from me, I love them. And that's it. I'm free. I'm free. There you go. There you go. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? My vibration. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, my passion, my drive, my love for people. If you're in the vicinity of me, you can feel my energy. So when people comment about that all the time, but it's so beautiful to see people have their vibration, their frequency, just excited and raised and having hope. So that's really, and it's very palpable even on Zoom when I have yeah. most of my clients are virtual. So it's very palpable that way as well. Speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? Using your gifts to give back to the world. That is shadow of a doubt. Yes, I love that. There's nothing more fulfilling. Well, let's be honest. Your gifts, and I talk about this all the time, your gifts aren't for you. They're for others around you. They're for the world. And in my opinion, it is your responsibility and duty on this planet to share those gifts. You, You are not to deny sharing them. They aren't for you. They're for the other people around you. They're for the world. And we are all sent here with gifts. We all have them. And it's your job to share those gifts. We might be related because that's exactly <laughs> exactly what I say. You're responsible. Yeah. So I have a session. It's called the three keys to fulfillment. It's God, creator, you, and your gifts. That's the way. And yeah. so finding your gifts, that's your happiness. I'm so blessed to be able to be working in my gifts every day. It's not even work. Absolutely. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after you learned it? I think the most important lesson I've learned in my life is that without a shadow of a doubt, life isn't happening to me. It has happened for me. I am 57 years old and can look back at everything in my life and I can see, my gosh, as difficult, as challenging, as horrible or as good, whatever. It was all for me. 
Wow. That's an important lesson for sure. What does the word empowerment mean to you? Empowerment is, I would say, allowing strength and knowledge to be your armor, your sword, your go out there. I've got this knowledge. Now I can do it. And understanding your willpower comes alive. When you feel empowered, it wakes up your willpower, which is located right here. And so people sometimes need that boost. And then once they're empowered, they're like sailing. (laughs) Limitless. I love it. Yeah. Okay. We're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions, just be one, two, three, four word answer type thing. Okay. Okay. How would you describe yourself in one word? Inspirational. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Love. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Love. What is one thing you love about yourself that is not related to your physical appearance? My gifts. What is your favorite self-care practice? Meditation. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. (laughs) It's hard to narrow it down to one word. (laughs) You did good. (laughs) Who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? It hasn't been one person. It has been over 25 year length of time. All the holistic mentors that I followed and trusted and learned from and followed them and really allowed them to light this fire that was already in me. So they've all impacted me. There's too many to name. (laughs) What aspect of your personality do you think has been the most helpful in your career? My personality, my gregariousness, probably my passion. What is one lesson your career has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? Trust yourself. Come back home to you. When you do that, all of these doors open and (laughs) life just lights up for you. It's all about you. What is something surprising that you've learned about yourself in the last year? Gosh, there's been a lot, but it's more of a spiritual aspect, really. One thing, I have to think about that one, and I did read that question. I think that the journey just is a continual journey, and accepting that we never arrive, we're never fully healed in the sense of free from challenges or anything like that. I think that accepting oneself with love in the present moment at all times, no matter what, that's it. What is your why, Laura? People are my why. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? My grandmother. She lived in France and I lived here and we had a very special bond, but we were continents apart and we were language apart. She didn't speak English except one Beatles song. So (laughs) communication was difficult. And plus, I didn't get to see her, but several times during my life, but that unspoken bond. And I've been told that I did receive my gifts, my special powers from my grandmother and she's been felt around me since her transition. So she's the one. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Come back to you. It would be that because I, I gave myself too much to everybody else. And in the end I was like a dish rag. Had I learned all that I know now, that would be the advice yeah. I would myself. And lastly, Laura, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, your tribe, your corner of the world, your people, 
What would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? I would say we are all spiritual beings with limitless potential and possibility to the most important thing that I want to leave is a legacy of love. But part of that would be requesting that everybody disengage, detach, delete all the information they've ever learned from society, from the medical system, from the education system, from the government, from every piece of society to unplug and find yourself because you're the truth. None of that is. None of that is. Beautifully said. What a beautiful way to end the interview. Laura, thank you so very much for this incredibly beautiful conversation. You are truly an inspirational, beautiful human being, woman and soul. I appreciate you taking and making the time to be here with me today. And I'm honored to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. Thank Thank you for shining your bright, beautiful light out into the world through the work you do. I appreciate you. Thank you, Brad. Thank you so much for having me. And I really enjoyed our conversation. So (laughs) it was a pleasure, believe me. (laughs) Pleasure and the honor is all mine. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Laura Schofroth. She is the owner and founder of the Miracle You, an herbalist, a health and life coach, a motivational speaker, and an author. Thank you so much, Laura. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. Thanks, Brad. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca and follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.